Welcome to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Chris Mosier. Chris is uh, one-fourth of the Chomp Chain podcast, and he's one-third of the Monster of the Week podcast that me and him do together. He's also a very delightful person, and he loves the Souls games, which you can easily hear from this conversation. We go through a lot of stuff. We talk about the community, and we talk about the games themselves, and we talk about exploration. It's a really good conversation, and I think you will enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. honest with you like i think like 90 percent of youtube loresters out there are kind of bad yeah like, I, don't, no, I, totally I don't really get into current day dark souls like lore videos do you no nope. no not really nope. you're not you're not seeking them out anymore nope. did you ever do that for like dark, dark souls one or anything did you go on like youtube rampages with that stuff not really for a incredibly long period of time i was completely ignorant of all dark souls story and lore which is weird because I live for that stuff. I live for story and lore. Like that's what makes me like a thing. Like I'm still digging up pieces of like Shadow of the Colossus lore that I think might be out there. When people make videos about that, <laughs> I in, in 2016 I'm still seeking that stuff out. But when it came to Dark Souls, I was totally ignorant of it and I I almost liked it that way. I almost liked not knowing anything about it. Uh and to me it just yeah, it never became. It was never a thing that I wanted to seek out. Even though, as soon as I started finding out about it, uh, I think it was when I it must have been when I started listening to Bonfireside Chat uh, that somebody recommended it to me, and, and uh, that's when I started hearing all of these things. And I was like, "Holy shit! Dark Souls lore is really, really cool. Why have I been ignoring this for so long? Uh, it's like it's so up my alley in every single way, but I just completely like brushed it off, and I don't know why." Yeah, one of my best Souls moments was, um, I think this was a, I think this was an ENB video where he was talking about like Tarkus and like finding Tarkus armor in a certain place in, in Orlando and how it meant that he had gone through these trials and you know fallen to his death here and left it. And I was like, wait a minute, like that's just a dude that I summoned. Where are you yeah. getting this? <laughs> right. Yeah, people were driving. But it ha- making it having it make sense in the world, I thought was really really cool and made me want to know like way more about it. Yeah, the the story and lore design of these games and the way that they're implemented in the games is probably the coolest thing in really any game like dark souls lore and the way that it's used is is just like straight up cooler than everything else (laughs) (laughs) how do you jive that because i know you're a big lore guy when it comes to like the metal gear solid series and the witcher and you mentioned shadow of the colossus earlier which is like one of my big things like how does that like where is it in the pantheon of because MGS is so much of an expository story mm-hmm. where they're like tripping all over themselves to tell you well, things. Yeah. And like The Witcher <laughs> seems like they give you like a 500 page book in every single side mission <laughs> to tell you about that's, the story. That's exactly like, right. Like with Metal Gear, it's, yeah, the most complicated nonsense that you can possibly write. And I love it, but it's, it's complicated nonsense. Uh, but it's still being told to you. Like you said, it's exposition. And with The Witcher, uh, it's not complicated, but it's like reading a history textbook. Uh, same thing with the Elder Scrolls. The lore in, in these things, that's an established lore uh, that's that you would be given. To, like, if you grew up in Witcher World and you went to school, I don't know if that's a thing, you would get a history textbook and it would say, here are all the things that happened in history. Uh, Dark Souls is not like that at all. There is a history, but so much of it is forgotten. Uh, n- none of it is really recorded in uh, accessible ways. But more, it's like... Mm-hmm. 
you get history books with The Witcher. You get uh, exposition with Metal Gear. With Dark Souls, you just get impressions and you get feelings, uh, like impressions of history, feelings of things that have come before. And even without knowing any of the lore or being aware that it was there, I didn't know about I descriptions, any of that, even without knowing all of that stuff, you still get the impression of a world that was lived in and of things that happened before in those spaces. And that that's like my favorite type of storytelling, um, which I've only ever really seen before in Shadow of the Colossus. I know that there's plenty of other things, I'm sure, that have done this. But I think what drew me a lot to the first Dark Souls was the way that it made me feel uh, like I was playing Shadow of the Colossus, the way that I used to explore that world. I wanted to do the mm-hmm. same thing in Dark Souls, except the consequences of exploring were often a lot more severe, uh, but in many ways also <laughs> more rewarding. Because in Shadow, you run around endlessly, and I remember finding you know the weird stone rings in the desert, and everybody thinks that those are tied back to the castle in Eco, and that's really cool. But there's no there's no conclusions you can really draw from it, then other than yeah, they look the same. Maybe they're the same. Maybe it was just a reused asset. And a lot of lore stuff with Dark Souls is the same. But when it comes to exploring, you might, uh, I used to explore Undead Burg like, like it was my hometown. Like I, I spent so much time <laughs> in Undead Burg. It became my comfort zone when playing the first Dark Souls. Uh, any other area I'd go to, I knew I was going to get my ass kicked in my, in my early days of playing it, but I knew I had, I had mastered Undead Burg. So I used to just poke around in all the corners. Uh, and every once in a while, you'd find some new corner, some new barrel I hadn't broken before. Uh, maybe I'll just find some rubbish, like literal rubbish. But, the fact that that item was there and that I hadn't seen it before like made exploring so awesome. Uh, and I wish I had combed over every single area of the game that way, uh, but they scared it, me. It's interesting. It. <laughs> like, I, I remember finding the, um, like, after like my first playthrough, which took however many hours, like, finding the, my way onto uh, that, like, there's that, like, uh, ledge, not really a ledge, but it's like kind of like a, um, it's like a, it's not a cliff. It's like a bridge that you can get up to, or in the undead bird, where the I think it's the sniper crossbow is, or when some crossbow is up there, and just <laughs> realizing that I had totally missed like areas. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. what else have I missed in this game? I really like before you get the the ability to warp, like you explore those areas, like you like explored your childhood neighborhood oh, before yeah. you got your driver's license, where you just knew like every single part of it before you could, because you couldn't go that far. Like you just had right. no ability to get farther than that. That's a really great analogy, because uh, especially in those early days of playing, I, like I said, returned to Undead Berg and then some of the surrounding areas more and more to grind or just when I felt like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing in this game. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what to do. Um, I guess I'll just go back to Undead Berg and like look around for stuff. And then, then sometimes that would lead me back to, you know, Darkroot Garden or wherever else in the neighbor, neighboring levels. Um, and that's another thing with Dark Souls. I always considered them levels. I don't look at it as an open world. I look at it as like a map with levels on it and you go through them mm-hmm. all. But um, yeah. Did you start with Dark Souls 1? Was that your first Souls game? Yeah, that was my first Souls game. Um, I played that game. Why? Like, it, like why did you play it? <laughs> I, this, is the, this is the last game that I ever did this with. Um, probably this will never happen again, but I bought Dark Souls based off of screenshots in a magazine. I nice. I think it was you nice. know, Game Informer or whatever. And I was excitedly waiting for, I think Skyrim was about to come out the month after Dark Souls, back in 2011. And yeah, I saw screenshots of Dark Souls and read like a little bit of it. Even then I was too lazy to read articles, but I'm, I'm reading through it. And it's like, oh, it's really hard. It's dark fantasy, blah, 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 Japanese. I'm like, well, these things, they sound cool to me. Uh, and there was a picture of 
the a man in armor about to fight a pig in armor. And I, for some reason, just the aesthetic of it, I'm not a particular, uh, particularly big fan of pigs in armor, but for some reason that <laughs> thing, it wasn't a dragon that sold me. It was one of those armored <laughs> hogs, you know, one of the warthogs that you find in Undead yeah. again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, it just looked so cool to me. And I, and I flipped through a little bit more and I saw a few more screenshots and was like, oh, that, that seems kind of interesting. And then... Yeah, I, I, I kind of miss that that aspect of, of video games. Right. Like, as for as much as I like, you know, when PlayStation Experience was a couple weekends ago, mm-hmm. and I like d- devoured all of the trailers out of that because they were so interesting. I kind of miss the days of like picking up a Nintendo Power and seeing seeing like a blurry ass screenshot <laughs> of a link to the past and going like, "Oh shit, I have to get this!" Yeah, right. Like <laughs> that's exactly what I did with Dark Souls, or at least it had piqued my interest, and then I kind of forgot about it. I had never heard of Demon Souls. Uh, well, looking back at it, when I after I played Dark Souls, I realized that I had seen Demon Souls before, but I didn't care. It wasn't anything on my radar. Uh, I don't even remember what games I was playing back then. I just know that I was excited for Skyrim, but I needed something to like fill the space in between. I had a month of games that I felt like playing. I remember going to GameStop, and it was probably the week that Dark Souls came out. Uh, and I looked around, and I then I just finally asked the guy, "Do you have that game, Dark Souls?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, here you go. It's really hard, man." And I was like, "Yeah, I heard that," and then that was it. I then went into Dark Souls completely blind, uh, totally in a vacuum. I didn't know anybody else playing it. I didn't really, uh, I didn't have an internet, a reliable internet connection. So sometimes I would see the soapstone signs, and those would be helpful. And then sometimes I wouldn't. So I didn't like, I didn't get how that worked. I kind of thought that those were things put in there by the developer. I mean, some of them are like in the intro era, but mm-hmm. I like it was. I was just so blind to everything that was going on around me, but. Somehow, the, uh, I... the developer messages are, are something interesting because they are they're actually throughout the entire game, and because Dark Souls fans are fucking crazy, uh, people have gone through with that spell that lets you see more messages or whatever, and been offline and found like like they tell kind of a story throughout the game of oh, like wow. where people are and stuff. It's kind of interesting that the messages that so they're talking about. It's, it's just so much cooler than everything else. I know, right? Like it's just it's it's all those weird little touches that they put into Dark Souls One that like keeps me like thinking about that game constantly. Like all of the weird stuff you could discover. It really like you mentioned just like exploring it and and over and over again. And like that, I really like I feel like I could continue to find mystery within Dark Souls oh, yeah. One, whereas a lot of games like don't support more than like that cursory inspection on the top layer. Yeah, even now when I do playthroughs of Dark Souls, which has been a while since I have. Uh, I, I find myself poking in corners again, and sure, I've done it before, but there's there's that like renewed curiosity every time I go through, which is maybe a weird uh, take on it. No, it's not weird, I guess. I'm sure plenty of people love looking around those areas, but FromSoft just did such a great job of making areas that like are full of mystery like inherently. Even when there is no item to find, it still feels like I want to look. I want to look at the way that the two like walls meet to form a corner just because I know how deliberate everything they made is yeah, it's 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 just such a fascinating game how, how did you get on with like the get on like i'm fucking cliff and <laughs> vader corrupting my english my, my god-given american english <laughs> um but how did you come to terms with like the controls because i remember starting that game up and just like trying to treat it like it was an assassin's yeah. creed game and not working very well it didn't feel like it controlled well which is so funny mm-hmm. now because it's like the tightest gameplay experience you could really get in this form. Uh, but yeah, it, I was constantly drinking Estus by accident. Uh, 
adapting to the to the blocking and, and attacking on the shoulder buttons felt a little weird. I expected those to be face buttons. Um, but as everybody knows, they do really start to click, feel perfect after a little while. But that didn't change the next 10 to 15 hours uh, of my life, which would have was spent getting through Undead Bergs. I got through the first area in, in no big deal, the tutorial area, no big deal. But when I got to Undead Berg, thankfully I missed the skeletons. I, I didn't even look in that direction. <laughs> I saw the aqueduct or whatever it is and, and went up. But I spent may, yeah, maybe 10 to 15 hours trying to get to and then beat the Taurus demon. And I've probably never been more angry in my entire life over anything. <laughs> I've ra- never rage quit something more than I did with Dark Souls. And I, I truly hated this game with, a, with every fiber of my being. I would look up stuff online and it would just, it just was all nonsense to me. So I, I kept leaving guides by the wayside. I was just like, no, I suck at this game and it sucks. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> but there was just that. You like, rage quit after the 10 or 15 hours or like in between? No, no, I just kept doing it. I would just quit and then come back. Sometimes I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I would rage quit <laughs> and, then, and then be like, fuck this game. I can't play it anymore. And then the next day I'd play it again. Or sometimes I would rage quit and say, fuck this game. And then 15 minutes later, I'd turn my PS3 back on. And it would be like, you turned it off, Ron, you idiot. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, shut up. I, I know what I did, all right? Uh, there was just so many little things that I didn't understand about the game um, mm-hmm. that made my experience worse than it needed to be. But just like the aesthetic of it became... I, don't, I think that's really what drew me back a time and time again. Even every time I... I would die and and lose my mind just the way that that area looked like it's like burned into my head forever. Granted, I've seen it recently, but I commented to my friend the other day, we walked out of work and I said, oh, the sky looks like Undead Berg right now. That like half (laughs) cloudy sunset thing. I'm like, oh, what an asshole. Like, no, it's just sunset right now. Like, just call it that. It doesn't doesn't look like Undead Berg. But it's such a specific look to Undead Berg. And obviously all these areas, I keep talking about that because it's like where I was down in the trenches of that game. I learned everything I learned about Dark Souls uh, or playing Dark Souls in Undead. And uh, I didn't know that when you died, you dropped your souls. I thought you just lost them and that was it. You didn't see like your I, your stain yeah, or whatever. I didn't know what that was. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I would pick it up. Sometimes because I would pick it up and then I would get nothing back because I had zero souls to begin with. And I'd be like, well, so it didn't mean anything yeah, to you. Yeah, it just it was just this. And then eventually I started paying attention and stopped being such an idiot. And was like, oh, okay, this is why I can't make any progress because I can't fucking level up because I lose all of my souls or I leave them there. <laughs> um. But yeah, the, what was the uh, what was the most like difficult part of getting through that game for you? Was it a particular boss or, or a certain area? Well, after I beat the Taurus demon for the first time, the most difficult emotionally was uh, <laughs> was beating the Taurus demon, and then this is when I still didn't understand picking up souls, uh, and then going to the bridge afterwards where everyone knows mm-hmm. the dragon shows up and, and cooks your ass. I think I just thought I I lost the boss souls that I had just spent like 15 hours trying to get and so i just was like well i'm i'm glad i don't have a rope nearby because i don't think i can handle this demoralization <laughs> right now <laughs> immediately go to the extreme with it but no um i think uh what's what is the uh the dragon in the depth uh the gaping dragon. Yeah, the gaping dragon i think i had that was my first my early like first hurdle with the game was fighting the gaping dragon i just like didn't I didn't understand how it was possible. And now it's so funny because it's 
one of the easiest bosses to me, but I just could not. I think it intimidated me too much for me to like figure out the patterns and figure out what I needed to do. So that was that was definitely a challenge. And I made it up into uh, an Orlando, I think, before I put it aside because that is when Skyrim came out. And it's funny to think of putting down Dark Souls for an Elder Scrolls game now, but back then that's just was like, oh, okay, this is the thing to do. Um, but once I'd had my fill of that, that I came back to Dark Souls and then played it five times in a row, I think. It's always weird to me to listen to um, you and your buds from your uh, podcast, Chomp Chain Podcast, um, be so in love with Skyrim and the Elder Scrolls <laughs> game, just because it, it's so alien to me. Uh, I, I didn't play them. Like, I didn't play Morrowind. Like, I didn't jump on that train and I just, for whatever reason, missed all of the ones previous to that. And then I was so deep into Dark Souls by the time Skyrim came out, like, that after like the very first combat sequence where like I'd had to swing a sword, I was like, what is yeah, this? Yeah. This is garbage. Yeah. Well, that's, that's <laughs> and just cut why, it off uh, and send it back to Gamefly. <laughs> that's not why we like uh, Skyrim or Elder Scrolls, whatever. Yeah. They don't, they don't play well. Um, they're not fun in that regard. It's just that whole, uh, the whole role playing aspect of it, I guess you just like get into your character, you follow the quest lines. And that's how a lot of us became friends was, was through those games. Um, okay. Yeah, that, that that does make a lot more yeah. sense now. Okay. But then it's just yeah. been in these in these later years that I, I was playing Dark Souls alone amongst my group of friends, and then slowly one by one, everybody was like, you know what? I think I'll I'll give that a try. Uh, and now just about everybody is a fan of the series to some degree. Yeah, I don't think you can be like anybody's Twitter friend unless you've played <laughs> yeah. at least one Dark Souls game. That's like right. it's a rule. That's right. <laughs> What's your, you know, give us your ID to prove you're above thirteen and have <laughs> you played Dark Souls one? <laughs> Those are pretty important, especially in our Twitter group. Sometimes, like, as big of a fan of the series as I am, like, I don't have a podcast about it, so I, I feel like I can't, uh, I can't even come close. Plus, I forget the names of everything, and I didn't know there was lore for like three years, so you know. <laughs> Sometimes I can't <laughs> well, <compete. laughs> when you finally um when you finally ditched Skyrim again and went back to Dark Souls, um like how long did it take you to start picking up on like item descriptions and like like start questioning the things that were happening around you? Because it by itself, like presented in a vacuum, if you don't start actively looking for that stuff, it really feels like you're just moving through the game for no reason. Like somebody tells you there's a bell and that's pretty much it. Yeah, I think it's when uh I think it's when Frampt showed up sticking his head out of the ground or whatever that asshole does that I was like, okay, this is super, super weird. Like clearly something's going on here that I haven't been paying attention. Um, and again, that moment. Yeah. And uh, the first time that you hit the moonlight butterfly, it feels like real ethereal yeah. and like unreal. Like there's, there's moments in dark souls one that I don't think any of the games really capture to that, to that degree of like, you're in a totally different world. Like you are a stranger in a strange Absolutely. land and like it's, it's, it just feels totally different. So. But even yet, Framped is a even then one. I still wasn't really piecing things together. I was trying to figure out like, okay, so some of these people want you to light the fire, link the bonfire. Some of you want some, some people want you to put the fire out. I don't know what is good and what is bad. I'm just just going to keep pushing forward because there's nothing else I can do, you know? Uh, my motivations, I don't know. Uh, clearly, they're not the character's motivations. They were my own personal motivations was to just see what was next, especially with some of those areas that you kind of get a glimpse of early on, but you can't really go through, like mm -hmm. the Valley of the Drakes I had run through there. Uh, and I couldn't even come close to, to is that that's what it's called, right? Valley of Drakes. Yeah, yeah, Valley of the Drakes. Uh, and I couldn't even come close to fighting those uh, 
wyverns or drakes. whatever they are. Drakes, yeah. No, they're, they're, they're drakes. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Just hold on, we're going home. Um, yeah, they <laughs> – I couldn't, I couldn't find – and I knew there was that big gate behind them. And there was just – things like that let me know that there was always going to be more – to explore and more to go back to things that I would brush over and be like, well, nope, fuck this place. I'll come back later. Uh, and th- those areas seemed like they were all over the place. But, and then finding the Hydra and like the ladder behind the Hydra and just all of these, these little things. I can't remember when I must have started looking things. I know. Uh, is there a centipede demon? Is that a thing? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On I think it was. To, this, uh, Lost yeah. That was the first one that I remember I guess I had trouble with because I looked up how to how to beat it, and that was the only one that I had just used the guide on, um, straight up. There had been like plenty of little things that I would read here and there. Obviously, I did not conquer Dark Souls alone, but that was the one. <laughs> oh, and the other thing was because I couldn't beat the Taurus demon, so I was like, you know, "What the what the f is going on here?" And people were like, "Go kill the skeletons on top of the tower, and then drop on his head." And I was like, "Yeah, I can do that." Uh, it turns out I really couldn't do that for a long time. <laughs> you could not get the the plunging attack right. Huh? It was not. It was not going well for me. <laughs> yeah. It, it what, um, go ahead. It just it took a long time for me to really start picking up on things because I wasn't looking for it. Uh, I found satisfaction in the environment. And, and at this point, you're not doing like because you mentioned your internet connection was pretty spotty. So you're not doing like PvP or you're not summoning people or anything like that. No, no, I wasn't even summoning NPCs. I was barely human any time in this game. Uh, I did not understand humanity for a long time either. Either I just used it to heal myself. Uh, total rook, uh, wasting wasting a lot of items and energy and souls on on just misguidance. But somehow I still took this character through to the end. I didn't just restart, which I probably should have. But. Yeah, yeah. I ended up restarting sixty hours in because I couldn't be Ordsine and Smo. So that was, yeah. that's, and feeling like a complete failure until mm-hmm. um, you know, get, get back over there in six hours, and I was like, oh, okay, now I understand this yeah. game a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> um, did do you now like when you played the new games or when you got into the other games? Do you do any PvP stuff at all? I've never done much PvP in Dark Souls Three. I did a little bit of it uh, because they make it fun to. To play with other people, but I, as you probably just know this about me, knowing me as a person, I'm very bad at PvP. Um, I get very frightened when when others arrive. I just assume that they're stronger than me, even when they're not. Uh, and that panic. Are you talking about in the game or just in real life? Just <laughs> in the game. Uh, in the game, that, that's that's the chip in my armor is my fear that, that everyone else is stronger than me. Maybe that does relate to real life. Hmm. Um, <laughs> and let's 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 explore deeper. Chris. Let's, yeah, let's Tell me about this. your mother. <laughs> yeah, I, I never I never brushed up against uh, the PvP too much because people like you scare the hell out of me. <laughs> hey, I wasn't that bad. <laughs> I've heard um, your stories on here. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Patty burned me the other day. It was like, do you remember that chapter about Dark Souls where they wrote about the PvP assholes yeah. and you were in it? <laughs> oh yeah. Whoops. I, I guess I really was that bad. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry for people. Yeah. What was your uh, what was the lead up to Dark Souls Two like? Uh, because if you played it that early, then obviously like Dark Souls Two was announced, and were you like super following the game? Were you watching trailers? Were you kind of doing anything, or was it just another surprise for you? I wasn't was really following it or watching trailers, but I was very excited about it. That was the thing that I was like, yeah, I'm going to pre order that, and I did, and I was waiting for it day one. Uh, unless it's something, I guess there's certain like trailer events uh, that I used to get. Excited excited about and that was mostly with like metal gear solid because they would be such extravagant trailers and i you know totally uh swallow that pill but with uh with dark souls and a lot of other games i try to avoid anything really going into it so with dark souls 2 yeah i i had read 
some things about it, but other than that, didn't look too much into it, uh, but was incredibly excited for it when it came out. And then it came, I think, three days late, and Amazon Prime had failed me for the first time, and it wouldn't be the last. <laughs> but Let me tell but you. not the last. Yeah. <laughs> it was like the worst. Again, I'm a hyperbolic person, but it felt like the worst. Uh, <laughs> I'm absolutely with you because, uh, whatchamacallit, the, the PC version came out like a month early, I think. It was... Um, it was an, it was an unpleasant experience. However, going into it, uh, I liked Dark Souls two for a while, and then I changed my opinion, and then I changed my opinion a, a third time. But um, no, nothing really beats for me uh, in Dark Souls two when you go through the uh, tutorial zone and then you walk out into Majula. Uh, somebody had written on a soapstone like, you know, danger ahead, whatever you know, nonsense thing they wrote. Right. And so I immediately, I put my shield up and I pull my sword out and I walked so slowly out there <laughs> and the music is doing everything it can to relax you. But I was like, mm-hmm. not this time, Dark Souls. You're not getting one up on me. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, and I missed the, again, this time I was in, in some ways more of a Dark Souls pro, still not really pro, but I, I had my bearings about me. Still, I missed the Emerald Herald for a really long time. And thankfully, this time really? around, well, I she had... She hides sometimes, right? Yeah. Like, sometimes she'll, like, just wander the fuck off right. so you can't find her anymore. And when you know that, you're fine. But I had found the bonfire, and I was like, okay, I can't level up. That's weird. I guess I unlock that later? Uh, but she, I think she was just, like, gazing off into the ocean or whatever she was doing. Or I just didn't see her. I don't know. But thankfully, I had friends who were playing it at launch this time around. So I could just say, hey, how the fuck do you level up? Uh, <laughs> you talk to the green cloak lady. That's That's all you have to do. <laughs> Bear seek seek lust. Yeah, so I, at, at this point, were you a little bit more plugged into the community around Souls? Like, were you were you kind of watching some videos at that point, and like you know, listening to podcasts or whatever? Or had you not gotten into it quite quite that deep yet? Yeah, I think it was. It was probably a few days or a few weeks uh, after beginning Dark Souls Two that I started to then on my own pick up on things that were going on. And at this point, I already knew about uh, all the secret lore and the first dark Souls, i still didn't really understand it i hadn't taken a deep dive into any of it yet uh but i i knew that it was there so this time i thought well i'm gonna look for it myself uh and once i found that i didn't have the time or patience to figure it out that's when i started seeking out podcasts and found my way uh found my way to you in a roundabout way (laughs) 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 it took a few more years after that but really that's how i came to this community and that's why yeah, I put that I put that solely on Twin Humanities and um, yeah. like C- CJ specifically because Patty kind of sucks, but uh, CJ specifically <laughs> um, bringing people together and like you know going out of his way to like, hey, this person is a cool person. Like, yeah. if you like cool people, you would like this person. Yeah, he like, definitely wrote me in. Yeah, so many of uh, so many of my Twitter follows is are just like CJ saying somebody is nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's, like, that's, that's, the, that's the only thing that that's the only hurdle they have to cross is like CJ kind of likes them, and I'm like, okay, I'll follow him for a while. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, he certainly has good taste. Uh, but yeah, with Dark Souls too. Yeah, that's when I started getting into the community and started following. I wanted to follow the NPC NPC quest lines because I hadn't done a single one of them in Dark Souls One on my first playthrough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't even meet Solaire. Or I had met him, but I talked to him once, and then that was it. I didn't continue talking to him because I was an idiot. Uh, so I wanted to make sure that I didn't run into those situations in Dark Souls 2. Uh, I ended up running into a lot of frustration that I felt that was past me for the Souls games. Um, Dark Souls, by the time I had gotten through it the first time, 
everything I understood the game. I felt it to be fair. I felt at any time there was something wrong, I knew it was on my end. Uh, I didn't perceive the game to be like cheap or shitty in any way. And I don't know if this is the common complaint with Dark Souls 2, but that's how I, that's why I didn't like it at first. Um, much like CJ, I did really love what I was seeing in terms of the exploration of Dark Souls 2, in terms of some of the enemies. I was, I'm always intrigued. Uh, I feel like the like force of the fallen giants and all these just allusions to the big battle with giants. It seems like it was right there, but then I didn't know anything else about it. And I felt like there were physical clues of things all over the place. And that really intrigued me. I didn't know how, or if it connected to the first dark souls, but a lot of the environmental stuff intrigued me the further. I went along, the more I realized that it didn't really tie into dark souls all that much, but, mm-hmm. um, that sort of became a secondary issue anyway, because I felt the game, maybe it was just me not being good at the game, but I felt like it was incredibly cheap in some places. I felt like some of the game design wasn't, let's put interesting interactions with enemies or interesting setups and have you think on your feet. It was just like, yeah, just add more enemies. Uh, maybe I'm mm-hmm. totally off base thinking that, but that was my perception of it. And um, I kind of just grit my teeth till the end of the game and left it there. And I didn't start New Game Plus. And it wasn't until uh, Scholar of the First Sin and CJ's persistence that I thought, okay, I'll come back to this game. And I actually do have, I think I have actually a much more positive opinion of Dark Souls 2 now than and a lot of people in the community do, certainly. I find it interesting because uh, with Dark Souls 3 being what it is, and uh, and we'll get there in this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's the the what is the word I'm looking for? Like the feedback, the, the, the kickback on dark souls two has lessened severely. Like when dark souls two first came out, like it was just a bunch of like, Oh, this game sucks. Miyazaki, this B team that. And now that we're, you know, three or four years later and scholar has been out, dark souls three has come out. You see people going back and going like, Oh wait, no dark souls two is actually really good. Like the gameplay here is great. I, uh, I, I find it interesting. I don't, I kind of had a problem with that game and I was kind of like you, like I played the, I played it through and I finished it and I was like, I'm not going to bother getting these achievements, which yeah. was kind of unheard of for me because like I was, that's, that's, I loved souls so much. And I did, I did spend like another hundred hours playing the PVP because I'm that guy, but <laughs> I just, it didn't, it didn't grab me as much as um, Dark Souls 1 did for a variety of reasons. And it, the story being so, splintery I get for lack of a better word like the, the the way that the story that there is there is one overarching story but you never really understand yeah. it until like after the DLC I, I don't know man it just didn't it just didn't click with me as much as as the other games right. the other game at that point had and as much as there were cool set pieces and and cool enemies it never felt I never had those like holy shit moments that I got from the first Dark Souls uh my version of a holy shit moment would be like finding uh what's havel's ring and then finding havel later on um Mm. who i'd actually already fought him at the base of that tower and got my ass kicked so many times but when i finally (laughs) killed him and picked up his armor and realized i had the same name and i was like oh this this ring lets you wear heavy armor this is the heavy armor you're supposed to wear with it okay fine (laughs) um so i guess it must have been back then i'm remembering more as uh the things started to fall into place like that yeah with uh Dark Souls 2, there's really only two or three standout moments. Well, the first one just being when I walked into Majula, because uh, that, that really does hit you in an interesting way, especially thinking that there's going to be enemies everywhere. And then finally, after like five minutes of walking around with a clenched butthole, <laughs> realizing that nothing was going to try and eat me. Uh, 
and then letting and, your guard down and then going around to the side of the house and getting some getting some well, oh, yeah. getting killed by the stupid pigs. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about those things. Um, there uh, was that, and then seeing the queen uh, from far away when she, in the Chandra when she talks to you, uh, that is such an unsettling moment. And I don't, I wasn't again really paying enough attention to know what was wrong, but you can totally feel something's wrong in that scene. Uh, and it's a, I just called it a scene, which is weird for a Dark Souls game, but uh, it felt like a scene because <laughs> no, you, like, you stop and you talk, you know, or yeah. you get talked at. You don't say anything. Uh, and then obviously opening the doors and seeing King Vendrick there and that piano chord hitting uh, and just mm-hmm. being like, no, no, thank you. That what is what? What do you mean? This is this is the king. <laughs> like it take it takes a second, and I was just like, this is the king. And then finally, I worked up the courage to walk into the room, and he doesn't even notice you. Uh, and it was this bizarre, like really sad moment. Uh, and then I tried to attack him, of course, and got my ass kicked because I didn't uh, have the giant souls <laughs> or whatever it is you need. <laughs> Yeah, especially when I like beating Vendrick and then like I kind of thought that that would be the conclusion of the game. Like I thought yeah. that was going to be like it was like the Dark Souls one arc of like you've heard about this dude the entire game. Here he is. Like okay, he's not great, but like he's obviously like still can kick my ass. So, mm-hmm. but then realizing that oh wait no, there's way more to this game that I have to do. <laughs> like yeah. there's there's other stuff that I have to go do and like f- to finish out the story was kind of amazing to me. And then finding out there was, you know, not one but two end bosses of the game basically or three, I guess if you want to count that as a double. Oh like, yeah, right. Yeah, like all that stuff was just And then do, do you find yourself kind of like when you play these through these games, do you find yourself kind of exhausted at the end of a Souls game like when you play it for the first time? Yeah, oftentimes. Um I'm always eager to start over, but I find that I don't. Like I will immediately go into New Game Plus like a few minutes after watching the credits and then I'll just stop because it really does it like it takes its toll on you. At least that's how I feel, you know. Yeah, yeah. It just it feels like by the end of it, like you're as worn out as the player character probably mm-hmm. is. <laughs> like, Definitely. just please make it stop. <laughs> I always feel like towards the end, like my my last bouts against the final boss are never these like really planned out experiences. I never go back and grind all that much if I'm like feeling like I'm under leveled or I don't have the right item set. I feel like I just throw myself against the final boss because it's like there is nowhere else to go but into the flames, essentially, you know, I'm just going to bang my head against this thing until it's dead or I'm dead. Uh, and you just keep coming back to life. So I just would keep banging my head against it. What's your, uh, what's your play style? Like what, what kind of weapons do you gravitate towards when you play? Um, traditionally sword and board recently, I've been moving towards, uh, just two handed, no shield, but I was never, uh, I was never too wild with my specs. Uh, I didn't really think i could handle it i always felt like dex builds war were for uh for pvp and that they weren't really uh up to snuff for the main game and i'm totally wrong about that and i, I know that there's so many other viable ways to play now <laughs> but i need the comfort of my sword and shield to protect me although i have to say that leveling up in dark souls i don't i'm sure this is a common thing but leveling up in dark souls is one of the most satisfying things in like any video game is when you've just like amassed, you know, 30,000 souls at the beginning of the game. And then you just unload them all at once and your stats go up and you can visibly see your health bar go up or your endurance bar. And every time that I start a new character, I tend to go for those obvious on the surface things. I try to make myself, uh, 
fit into a shoe, you know, I, I fit into a protective shoe. Shoe is not the word I should have gone for here. This metaphor, <laughs> but we got to stick with it now. Uh, <laughs> Found the Instagram clip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need to, I, I would just fit myself into this mold where, um, I would always want, I would consider going into different paths, different specs. Uh, but I would end up always back with sword and board because I just got so much satisfaction out of being able to, uh, block for longer for being able to, you know, do more damage with a single hit so that I wouldn't have to risk that third hit when I really should be putting my shield up. Uh, just little things like that. I find incredibly satisfying. Uh, and it's funny when games media outside of the dark souls community talks about dark souls, they really don't understand what they're talking about, but it's like, I'm surprised nobody has like caught on to that yet. Cause it's for me, it's like a, gameplay loop of like real like risk and reward and it's incredibly satisfying to do that the the power curve on in, in a souls game is is like you said incredibly satisfying like by the time and, and dark souls and one illustrates it perfectly like when you go into new game plus and like you fin you, you kill gwen you automatically get jumped in new game plus and you're like well i'm i'm probably just gonna get to the berg just to see and like you are just murdering fools in between you and the bonfires like you, there's no good. question like you're yeah it's <laughs> so good like you're just like walking through and like i'm just gonna hit you and you're gonna die <laughs> and like thinking back to those times where it was like a three minute encounter with one skeleton like... but no matter what if you let your guard down if you're you know slacking off in any way any enemy in this game can still kill you pretty easily you mentioned when we first started talking about Dark Souls 2 of like um, having difficulty, even though like thinking that you like had played Dark Souls 1 so mm -hmm. that you kind of knew what you were getting into. And I, Dark Souls 2 was very much that game for me. Like I walked in like I was hot shit, yeah. like thousands of hours of PvP behind me, like 18 playthroughs. Like I was like, this game is not going to, oh, wow, Ruin Sentinels. Okay, okay. Yeah. Oh, fuck those. <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely, that was, it was Ruin Sentinels. I forgot all about them. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, that's a rough boss. Where uh, where did you go next? Did you go back to Demons, or did you go forward to Bloodborne, which would be the next game to come out? Uh, yeah, I guess it must have been Bloodborne next. Um, which, again, it my experience with Bloodborne echoed my experience with Dark Souls for the first time. Um, in that first area, I, in Yarnum, I just was, I could not do anything in that game. I did not get what I was doing or what, what I was doing wrong rather. Cause I, at this point had played so much dark souls and I knew that, you know, I can't block anymore. I know that I have to parry instead, but there was just something in my brain that would not let me play that game. And I must've spent another 10 hours in the first area and just mm -hmm. finally said, fuck it. I, I can't, I can't play this. I had beaten um, the, was it the cleric beast on the bridge? Yeah, bridge, bridge boy. Yeah, I had, I had beaten Bridge Boy, but I could really do nothing else. That was the one moment uh, of my first playthrough of, of Bloodborne that I felt like, okay, I'm getting the hang of this. I'm getting the hang of this. Really, I just like stuck to his feet and didn't let him hit me. But I, yeah, I just did like you have a. Uh, did you have Jake's bug that he put on Twitter the other day? Oh, what was that? <laughs> it just froze. It like literally the cleric base just stood there, like did what? not move, did not animate at all, and uh, like the the music is like playing. It sounds like <laughs> all kind of crazy and huge, and Jake is just sitting there like doing gestures at him. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. But no, I just I somehow managed to survive it. I think I treated it like a Dark Souls boss, and somehow forced my way through it, but could couldn't progress past that, and I was so frustrated. Because at the time, I'm, I'm talking to my friends, and they're all like, dude, Bloodborne is so awesome. Like, what is wrong with you? Why aren't you playing it? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just not that interested in it. Uh, and I think I maybe took two or three months off of Bloodborne. By then, like, 
the I mean everybody was still into Bloodborne, everyone still is into Bloodborne, but like the craze of it was was dying down, the hype was dying down, everyone had already beaten the game, they're on new game plus 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 by now. And I finally picked the game back up, same character, didn't try to rebuild or anything, and then it clicked. It clicked within five minutes of picking up the controller again. I don't know what it was, but I had distanced myself from it enough that I could get into it and then was obsessed with it for the next 40 hours, which was maybe a week and a half of playtime, you know, mm-hmm. barreled through it and was like, I couldn't put it down. Uh, I like to ask this question of everybody. And um, it, hopefully somebody out there is keeping track of um, our stats on this, but uh, chalices, <laughs> yes or no? No, I, I, would, I didn't even know the chalices were a thing. I mean, I do this now, been, but don't I give up skeleton. I've been your host, Jeremy. No. <laughs> when I played yeah, Bloodborne, so I, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't really know. Like, I hope this this is probably becoming clear to the listener that I don't know what's going. Um, <laughs> I really, I really like these things, but I have no idea what's what's going on. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. What was it about Bloodborne that sucked you in? You think the second time? Like, did, did are you kind of a Lovecraft fan? Are you are you into horror movies? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it was just the controls clicking, and then realizing, you know, with all the the insight, the, the turning point of that game when you realize this isn't a werewolf game; it's a Lovecraft game. And I think I was saying to you how I had been so annoyed, just so just done with the whole Lovecraft thing. I read it in high school. I studied it in college. Uh, I've just been a horror fan for a really long time. And then coming to the internet and hearing everybody just be the biggest Lovecraft fan in the world, I was like, okay, I, I think I need to step away from this. Uh, when there's, you know, Cthulhu Tamagotchi games on everybody's cell phone, because that's, <laughs> that's a thing that I've confronted in my personal life, and it just bothers me. I don't it, should, it shouldn't bother me. To each their own, but it, it does. Well, it's, it's something about um, – because I get the same thing when I post uh, – uh, like those shitty Dark Souls shirts, right? Yeah. Like it's something about something that you like being kind of uh, commoditized. That's mm-hmm. not a word. Um, I get what you mean. Being made into a commodity, right. like where it's just, or it's just basically like, oh yeah, now there's solar keychains at the Circle K. Right. Like, I mean, that's great because that's a great character and you should have that, but it just means that it doesn't mean anything anymore yep. to me. And um, yeah, it, it makes me sound like a snob to say that, but I think that my the issue I was taking with it I'm not I'm not the biggest Lovecraft fan and I'm not the most knowledgeable person on Lovecraft. Uh, but a lot of these things that you would see are just totally missing the mark. Like that does not capture what this man, this weird racist man in the twenties was writing about. Um, Bloodborne somehow gets that. It it captures the weirdness and, and everything that, that that man tried to write. It somehow is has been captured in a video game in a, in a way that it's never been portrayed anywhere outside of that man's writing. Yeah, and and luckily enough, they leave most of the racism behind. Yeah, no, yeah <laughs> like, thankfully, not not a lot of bloodborne. Yeah. Thankfully, <laughs> um, did you play through the old hunters as well when that came out? Play through the old. Get me off the podcast already. You, so you wait, I wait. You whispered, and I could not hear you. Oh, I, I whispered because I was ashamed to tell you that no, I haven't played the old hunters. <sighs> Chris, that I missed. Okay. Well, we're going to, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you go only because we have another podcast that we do together and I need you to do work for that. So I can't just, I can't just turn you into ash right now. <laughs> I must be the most disappointing guest you've had so far on this podcast. And you, I don't want to say no, because I don't want everybody else I was thinking say, that you they can't are the most disappointing no. guest. <laughs> so I'm just going to say, yes, you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, listen, I just, you know, I really love video games and I have a lot on my plate sometimes. You know what I mean? Dude, I understand. I haven't played a video game since Sunday, yeah. so don't, don't, <laughs> it's ridiculous. You know, it's funny. Uh, the last guardian just came out as of this recording 
and I've been having trouble with the controls in that game, I think, as everybody really is. But playing that game reminds me, of course, of Shadow of the Colossus and Ego, which it just reminds me of Dark Souls and brings mm-hmm. me back to... I mean, I don't care. Anybody can say... Um, I don't know what I'm talking about because I don't when it comes to these games. I'm not an expert in any way, shape, or form, but I have a connection with them that I think anybody who's into these can understand. Uh, it's just, it's a genuine love for this weird game, you know? Like, mm-hmm. this, it's just this attachment that, like, this expression of storytelling and, and visual art that nothing else seems to be able to, to nail down. And that's why despite the fact that no, I haven't played the old hunters and, and I didn't know about item descriptions for the longest time. But that's why I still have this like tense love connection to the games is like, there's something about that. Just those worlds. And I, I keep repeating that, but it, it's like, I really need to I find a, the perfect way to express it. And I just don't know what it is, but there's just something about those worlds that I don't think these stories can be communicated in any other way than the form that they're in. Well, since we can't talk about Bloodborne anymore because you're terrible, um, when, when did you play Demon Souls, or have you played Demon Souls? I, have only, I played Demon Souls, um, I think, two weeks before Dark Souls Three came out, and okay. didn't I didn't play the entirety <laughs> of it. I played, oh man, maybe four zones of it. Okay. However, they, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I actually like Demon Souls a lot, and I can keep meaning to go back to it but it was just one of those things where i'm playing it because i'm hyped for dark souls 3 and i, I want something new uh and then dark souls 3 comes out and just takes that yeah where were you at on D- dark souls 3 um i don't have the connection to dark souls 3 that i obviously have formed over the years with dark souls 1 and even 2 uh i beat that game the week it came out i know like we all were kind of like rushing to the end uh, mm-hmm. But my first playthrough of Dark Souls was like 90 hours, I think. And this I did in under 25. And I didn't really die on any of the bosses. And of course, at the time, I was excited about that. But thinking back on it, I'm like, wow, I went through that area once. And then yeah. I fought the boss. And I did that to myself because I was talking about earlier in the year uh, on the internet and whatever. I was doing that 52 game challenge. Huge mistake. I was just burned in, in, in a way it was good because I was playing all these games I never would have played otherwise. But at the same time I would burn through a game and then be like, okay, time for the next thing. And it wasn't leading to anything. But when I got to dark souls three, that was part of that as well. So I burned through that game and I did go back and play more of it. And I did start a new game. Plus I did do the DLC, but it just didn't form that connection because I went through it so quickly and I didn't stop to look around and smell the roses. Like I had with the, the first two games and even bloodborne. I, I'm like the 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 idea of you going through that game so quickly and and trying to rush through it because I did the I did the same thing and, and kind of like I mentioned earlier the by the time I got to the end game I think because I put so much pressure on myself for to, to finish it I wasn't having a lot of fun like by the time I hit the twin princess I was like can this game please just fucking stop with the re- regenerating health bars already like I don't like this yeah that's it really just I was looking to when when is the end when is the end of this game which I'd never really had done before of course i always wanted to beat the game but my main goal was always to see the next area and to like experience cool shit but this i mean there's plenty of cool shit in it but in this i was just mainlining it's super hard and definitely i definitely like ruined a little bit of it for myself although in some ways i feel like my experience with dark souls 3 uh was like just falling down a hill and just picking up as I went and I, I don't realize that I'm done with an area and then suddenly I'm in the next area and then I'm in another area and I missed a boss. I missed several bosses and had to go back for them afterwards. But I was just rolling down a hill at full speed 
Whereas the other ones, sometimes you're lost in the dark, but you know, like wandering through a dark cave rather than falling down a fucking hill. I'm a. I wonder how much, and I, I don't know that I could go back to not warping between bonfires, like like the Dark Souls one yeah. star style of, of bonfire warping. But I really do think that it it hurts the it hurts the games in some way, in some way that as soon as you find a bonfire, you basically never have to worry about traversing an area again. Yeah. Like finding the bonfire at the top of sins is great because it's right there by the boss. It sucks. If you want to get to back to the bottom of sins, yeah. like, <laughs> that's, that's not, that's not a fun trip to do in reverse and doing it in reverse. Like, you know, I've, Oh shit. Like I, I need to go to Andre. Like I have enough large shards not now to, to make a plus five weapon, like, or whatever it is like, and realizing like, Oh shit, I have to go back. How am I going to do that? And like, it's, it's really tough. I wonder how much of that, like rolling down a hill is strictly like just being able to warp right back to where you were without any kind of consequence. Yeah. I think that that has a lot to do with it. I hadn't really even thought about it, but, uh, you know, finding those oh, the secret doors between areas in the first Dark Souls is uh, as much as it's tedious. And I, I'm sure that there were times where I wanted to snap my controller in half because I had to run from you know here to there, and it was going to take ten minutes. But I think obviously that's what engraved that game into my mind forever was the fact that I had to run between areas so constantly, and you get to know everything. You know where the enemies are if you want to run by them or if you engage with them for whatever reason. It, there's, it, yeah, definitely. It, it takes away something. It adds something because, like you said, I don't necessarily think I'd want to play a Dark Souls where I had to do all of that again. But maybe yeah, I would. I don't I've know. Done it. <laughs> yeah. Like that's the thing is like getting the Lord Vessel is such like a like a, a freeing thing in the middle of Dark Souls where you're right. like, finally, like I don't <laughs> have to just like go all the way back through manually or whatever. Like it feels like a game. Like it's a mechanic that makes you feel good, and it also works within the constraints of the world. Yeah, but it's a reward. Again, like just just your quality of life man like i don't want to have to go like I, especially especially when they're making you go to a certain spot to level up like i think that's another key difference is having to warp back to go like spend your souls it's oh like, yeah yeah it's, it factors into that where do you um like from this is at the end of the year this is somewhere in 2016 i'm not real sure when this episode's going to come out yet but uh as of right now from hasn't really officially announced anything they've said that they've got some projects going one is pretty clearly an armored core reboot yeah. one is a weird take on souls games but for your own like personal like where, personal opinion like where, where would you want to see what, what kind of games do you want to see from software make next i since i'm such a fan of i mean I, i'm a huge fan of dark fantasy but we've seen their dark fantasy we've seen their victorian horror but i would still like them to be doing something in the, the dark corners of things and and that leads me to like it'd be cool to see a survival horror in some way but I don't want to call it Dark Souls survival horror, but, you know, even anything like in a more modern setting, I'm kind of picturing Silent Hill 2 right now, but with mm -hmm. the Dark Souls camera angle, instead of a sword, you've got your lead pipe, and Dark Souls always does space really well. I don't mean, like, outer space. I mean the space around you, location, really, really well. Mm -hmm. um, they can create an open area and put one enemy across the map. And you see it and you're like, oh shit, okay, here we go. I'm going to have to gear up to fight that thing. Um, doing that in, in a horror game would be really cool. You know, walking through the streets of, of, of a town and seeing an enemy far away and not knowing like what it's going to do to you, just but, but twisting it. So you're not a guy with a sword and a shield. You're just a, a guy in a shirt and pants, you know. Uh, I think that they could do something cool with that. They do horror really well in these games, but it would be cool to see them just like tilt into that direction full on. Cool. 
Well, Chris, thank you very much for uh, spending eight hours on a podcast with me this week. <laughs> yeah, thank, thank you for having <laughs> me again. <laughs> This has been a this has been a lot of fun, and um, ever since like like I mentioned earlier, ever since CJ uh, kind of brought you guys into my radar, I was like, oh yeah, this is a this is a fun podcast, and Chris is a cool guy. I got to get him on my thing. So thank you thanks. again for for coming on and guesting. Yeah, thanks for having me. Where can people find you and said podcast? Uh, I am at local bones on Twitter, and my podcast is called the Chomp Chain Podcast. That's podcast chomp on Twitter. I think it is. I know. I don't. I don't think I know. <laughs> <laughs> you read it off every week. As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find the podcast on Twitter at DG US Podcast. If you'd like to come on the show like Chris did and tell your own soul story, send me an email to DGUSPodcast at gmail.com. Um, we also have an Instagram where you can see episode previews. We have a Tumblr that I don't use at all, but you can still like look at stuff there. Uh, and if you want to get in touch with me directly, the best way to do it is always on Twitter. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. And remember, don't give up, Skeleton. How do you always start these? It seems like everybody's just in the, the middle of some funny joke when it starts. That's that's because I uh, make them tell a funny joke. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs>